Coming to you from Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida. And streaming around the world. Around the world. You're now tuned in to the Sales Samurai Podcast, the only B2B sales podcast providing unfiltered, unapologetic views and tactics directly from the sales trenches. Here's your host, Sam Capra. Well, welcome to another episode of the Sales Samurai. Thanks for listening. Before we begin, do us a favor, take a moment to subscribe and download. On today's show, we're going to be discussing sales authenticity, and I have an amazing guest for you guys today, Mr. Larry Levine, best-selling author of Selling from the Heart. Larry, welcome to the show, man. Hey, what's going on, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could already tell by the banter before we start recording this, hey, y'all, you're in for a treat, I'm going to tell you. so. Yes. If you guys were flies on the wall of our offline conversation, you would know this is going to be one of those type of episodes. <laughs> this can go anywhere. We have intentions of talking about sales authenticity. They can go a lot of different directions. But I do appreciate you coming on, man. And I know you're all over the place. I know you've written books, but kind of give the audience a little bit of a background, kind of, kind of what you're up to and what you're all about. Uh, sure. I'm just, uh, I'll take everyone back just a little bit. I'm a old mentor of mine says, you really never get to know somebody until you know their backstory. So I'm, I'm going to give you kind of the quick backstory. I'll give you the, as you're coming down from 40,000 foot <laughs> cruising altitude, right? And you're getting ready to land and you're embracing, right? You know, you got the seatbelt on, the seats are up, right? But uh, yeah, I spent my whole entire career, 28 and a half, almost 29 years in the office technology channel, all in the LA marketplace. So cutting down to the chase, I sold copiers my whole life. Up and down the street, small businesses, medium businesses, enterprise, major accounts, you name it. It's, uh, it provided really well for you know myself and my family. I learned a lot over those decades and decades in sales. But the one thing that I did learn, and by the way, you know, I grew up in a highly commoditized sales channel. And when I say commoditized, it's commoditized. But I, I learned a couple life lessons along the way. And the first life lesson I learned that really catapulted me throughout my career was the, my first year in sales. And I always say my first years in sales was the best year of my life and the worst year of my life. <laughs> it's because it was my, the best time was it was my first real job right out of college. What was it, Larry? What was the job? Copiers. That's the that only, the co- the, yeah. I mean, okay. literally, I graduated college and two months later, I'm selling copiers. And 29 years later, I exit the same channel. I grew up in, it was good because it gave me the launching ground to really learn sales. The bad part of this is I was on a dysfunctional sales team with a horrible sales manager. And I think a lot of us could probably resonate with that still to this day. But here's what I learned. And and I'm a big believer, Sam, that we have this, I'll call it a sixth sense. So you all know we have five senses, right? We all know what those are. We learn those in school. But here's the sixth sense. There's no scientific proof behind it. I'm not doing deep research on this, but I, <laughs> I call this sixth sense bullcrap. Okay. And I believe we all have it. It's innate in who we are. And I learned that a long time ago in my first year is, is that just that keen sense of bullcrap. And I say this because I was listening and I was watching the salespeople on my sales team. I was watching what they were doing. Right. Obviously, in a small sales team back in the late 80s, we we're all huddled in the same kind of environment. So, everyone, I mean, you could not notice somebody's phone call or nor hear it. 
I'd go out on rideouts out a horrible sales manager. It was old school ways of doing things, right? 50 cold calls come back, right? Give me 50 cards, show them to me, and then you're banging phones. And somehow I still think that still exists. But when it was difficult because I was mirroring and mimicking a lot of what I was surrounded with that first year because I was young, I was impressionable and so forth. And it just, I knew something just wasn't right. And I knew it wasn't who I really was. And I say this for a reason, because it took me a good five to six months for me to make my first sale. And once I made my first sale, I did something. And I don't know what caused me to do it, but I just did it. Is I'm a very curious person and I love asking a lot of questions. And I remember asking the very first customer of mine, that very first sale I made. So I'm going to take everyone back. This is the summer of 1988. So it's, it's been a while. And I asked the person who agreed to do business with me, why did you buy from me? And I had to layer in a funny. And the funny was, I know you know it's my first sale because I was open and honest about it. That set that aside. Why did you really buy from me? How many salespeople really do that, especially young, impressionable salespeople? And this person said something that forever changed the course of my career. And that person said, you didn't act like all the other salespeople. I said, interesting, tell me more. Mm -hmm. You didn't talk about your product and how great your company was. You asked a lot of questions and you made it about us. And you listened as we shared things that were going on in our office. Now, Sam, I'm in my early 20s. Don't know where I picked it up at, but it, it was just... I'm a big believer that we have a secret sauce, something that's deep down inside. And and my secret sauce, I found out, was my ability to connect and relate to people really well. And I just listened. And when I listened to that, the next question that came out of my mouth was this, what do you like and what do you don't like about salespeople? I just pulled it out of right field. And I took a lot of mental notes. And I just did the complete opposite of everything that I was told on that very first sale. Now, why am I sharing this? is because I believe that if we do the non-negotiables and the basics in sales really, really well, it creates the foundation. It creates the foundational layers for how we can go about layering more sophisticated stuff on top of that. I was just doing basic things by asking just questions because I was curious and I had enough courage behind it. And as, as I grew and as I matured in the copier industry, I started asking more and more questions. But here's what I learned. The more personal I made it, the more I just threw it out there, the more I leaned in and asked these type of questions, the responses were just incredible. And I go, I knew I was onto something. And I just made the art of asking these type of questions. What do you like? What do you don't like? Describe a great experience. What's that look like? What's a horrible experience look like? What's a great relationship with a salesperson look like? Conversely, what's a horrible relationship look like? And I started making all these mental notes kind of crafted that into my own way of doing things. And that catapulted me throughout my whole entire career by just simply having enough courage, being curious enough and asking people questions that, you know, I call them, Sam, that come out of right field, but they're not expecting these. And when people started to hear questions like this, they started to open up. And then it's the art of using this to bridge in asking some business questions and so forth. And that's how I grew up in the copier channel. That's the quick flyover. But it just, I made it about a process. I made it about a plan. 
I continually held myself to non-negotiables I practiced, and I doubled down on relationships better than I think anybody else ever in my industry did, is I built deep, meaningful relationships that still to this day, I still talk to people I've sold things to 10, 15, 20, and 25 years ago. Yeah. It's funny, Larry, because as you're talking, I almost have a very mirrored image of kind of, I was in the uniform in business. Okay. So copiers in uniforms, there's, there's a direct, you know, heavy cold calling, dialing for dollars and beating the doors down of every mechanic in the city limit. That was kind of the thought part, but you're right. What you're surrounded with and how you picked up on that in the very first year, it's very easy to fall into that salesy trap of kind of wheel and deal, you know, sell ice to Eskimos, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, see, here's what, I'm glad you picked up on it because this isn't um, anything philosophical or psychological or anything like that. It's just, these are the things that I deeply believe in is I believe that we're products of our environment. And I'll peel this back one, one more layer is I think we're products of our environment and how we were raised. Now, this is aimed at salespeople just for a moment is I believe salespeople are products in the environments that they were raised in. Elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, I will is the reason why I say this is I'm going to aim this one just, I'm going to pull the bow and arrow on this one at sales <laughs> managers just for a moment is when you have it, I hate to use the term, but I'm going to use it anyway, just because people will understand where I'm going with this. If you're in a situation where you have old school sales managers that were raised a certain way with certain metrics and key performance indicators in certain ways of doing things. And you know what? We're going to do this like the ways I used to do it. Guess what? You start creating that, what I call dysfunctional culture based on what was really prevalent in the past. Not to say that it's not relevant today because I'm all for prospecting. I just think it's done differently today than it was when I grew up in the 80s and the 90s pre-internet and then well into, you know, when I exited the sales channel I was in in, in 2016. is Salespeople know what they know. They know it's the environment they're in and that's what they learn to adapt to. But here's my challenge is if you're in those environments and it doesn't sit well with you, then you have two choices. You have a couple choices. You either lean into it and you figure it out. You lead up and you show people there's a better way or you go find something else and you go find a company and an organization with great management and great leadership that aligns to your values. 100% agree with you. I think you hit the nail on the head that there is that old school mentality, whether there's a place for it or not, it's obviously up for debate. But if that doesn't align with how you sell, to your point, hey, you could either accept it and lean into it, you can try and manage up, or you need to find an, a business organization that aligns more with your core values, if you will, which I think is a good segue, Larry, to what we're going to be talking about. Sales authenticity, like that is a term that seems very simplistic, but it's not a widely adopted. Maybe I'm not saying that the right way. It doesn't feel like we've made the right strides from authenticity when it comes to sales. Am I off base or what are you seeing from that standpoint? Uh, it's interesting. It's a, um, some will say, and rightfully so, Sam, it's a buzzword, overused buzzword. I might agree with that. In other words, I'll keep it simple. My definition of authenticity is quite simple. I'm not going to give you a collegiate version of this. <laughs> just because there's enough of that out there, is authenticity in its simplest format is one word, congruency. 
Does the walk match the talk? Simple as that. I'll take it one step farther. Does the inner person of who you are, right? What's inside, does that match what's on at the outside? And I'm not going to poke holes at it, right? People can make that own decision. But I'm a big believer authenticity is a lifestyle. It's not a light switch. We're all authentic human beings. It's how we choose to carry our life. And it's how we choose to go about doing business. It's how we choose going about to take care of our clients and our future clients. It's how we go to market. It's how we carry ourselves in the community. It's how we carry ourselves with our personal relationships and our professional relationships. And, you know, in Selling from the Heart, I talk about sales chaos. Right. And the reason why I bring this up, especially when it comes to authenticity, and I'm not here to disc, I'm going to put a little caveat on this one. I'm not here to discredit anybody when I say this, and I want to be really, really upfront with this, is when I hear somebody say I'm being my authentic self, the first thing that pops into my head is really, have you done the work and have you gone down the road to really uncover who you are? And the reason why I say this is I've learned more in my 50s about who I am than I did in my 20s, 30s, and 40s combined. I've gone down the road to really uncover what's in my heart and align the head and the heart. There's not many in sales, and that's why I'm bringing this message around authenticity in the sales profession to the forefront. It's not just, hey, I'm being my authentic self. You get what you get, right? And all that. Yeah. Pixie, what, what do you call that? Right. Pixie sticks and fairy dust and, and rose petals. That's not what this is about. If you want to bring your authentic self to the forefront, you have to be willing to do the inner work to really uncover what's in your heart. And right there, Sam, is where a lot of people brush it off to the side and they go, not willing to go there. I'm not willing to do it. Here's where I'm going to challenge everybody on this is if you want to become that successful sales professional out there who leads with integrity, who's genuine, who's sincere, you got to connect and relate better to yourself. The more you can connect and relate to yourself, the better you're going to be able to connect and relate to your clients. How have you found to do that, Larry? Like, what was the process? What was the tipping point for you? Like you said, hey, I learned more about myself in the 50s than I did in the 20s and 30s. How do you give the people in the 20s and 30s a little bit of a leg up to start saying, hey, how do I get better in tune with my heart? This is interesting because I just had this discussion when we were recording Selling from the Heart podcast just yesterday as we're recording this one. So it's top of mind. No, it, it, well, it is top of mind because after we stopped recording, we started talking. We had a deep conversation about this. I'm going to take people on a little journey, but it's going to answer your question. Yeah. It's really good. And I'm glad you brought it up because it's going to nail it. Is oftentimes when I'm on podcasts, a question that always comes up, right? And it may not come out like this, but it's just, I'm just going to throw it out there is, you know, if I could take you back to your early self, right? Your 20s. What would you do differently, right? And I answer it the exact same way all the time, Sam. In my 20s, I wish I would have understood the power of having a coach and the power of having mentors. I really, I mean, and I didn't realize that till later on in life. And I say this because at 40, yeah, I was at 40. At 40, I hired my very first business coach. And here's an asterisk to it. At that time, I was the number one person on my sales team. I was coming off a really great year, but I knew I could do so much better. It's because I held myself accountable probably 
more so and harder than any other manager ever held me accountable. And I was just never satisfied, really wasn't. I was never, ever, ever satisfied. I could take down the largest deal at that time and just go, you know what? I could have done better. I could have found something better. I could have found something bigger. But that's me, right? It may not be everybody, but that's just what drives me. It's an innate in who I was. I didn't know what it was, but I knew something was just preventing me from breaking through to the next level. And I heard somebody speak and something told me at the end just to go up and introduce myself to this person. And I didn't know about 30 to 45 days later, I'd make that ask. And I'm a big believer, if you ask not, you get not. And I just asked this person, you know what, totally up to you. Here's a couple things that are just wearing on me. Would you be my coach? I'm 40 years old. And right there on the spot, I opened up my checkbook, wrote this person a check. It was five figures. And he was my coach for 90 days. Bet if it wasn't for that person at that point in time, I don't know where I would be right now. And I say this for a reason because in that 90-day period, he did two things that transformed my career that I wish I would have learned in my 20s and 30s. First one was the road to really find out what was in my heart, the inner work. The second thing was how to walk, talk, and breathe in an online world. How to take what I was, how I was carrying myself in a face-to-face world and bring that and replicate it and duplicate that in an online world. Yeah. We're talking leveraging the power of social media. And I say this because in that 10-year period from 40 to 50, is when I transformed my career based on doing the inner work and based on learning how to duplicate exactly what I was doing face-to-face and putting that online. And then at 50 years old, I will tell you this straight up, at 50 years old, I was fired. I was fired from a high-paying corporate sales job. This would have been the spring of 2015. And I had two choices. I really had two choices after I'd gone through the grieving process is I could have went back into the sales channel that I knew and would have made really good money. Six months into it, I probably would have got complacent, still would have made really good money, and I just would have rode it off into the sunset. But I turned around and I did something else. I reached out to my network and I started to ask my network for help. I picked up the phone. I called a near and dear friend of mine who's now my podcast partner, and I kind of shared with him my story. And he goes you need to go out and share with people what made you you and how you transformed yourself in a 10-year window in a highly competitive channel later on in life. And I share this, Sam, because I don't care if, if you have listeners that are in their 20s or their 30s or their 40s or their 50s or you name it, the twilights of their career, you can always transform and reinvent yourself. You're going to get dealt that stick, right? You're going to be on the bad end of something that's going to happen in your life, but you got to learn what to do with it. So in my 40s, right, my very first business coach taught me the inner work and taught me how to replicate myself online. I have a life-altering moment at 50. And then at 50, I decided to jump into the entrepreneurial world, world and start coaching and training salespeople on what I did in a highly dysfunctional, laggard, commoditized sales channel. And I wasn't going to waver from who I was. I was going to take all the mess that happened to me the latter part of my life and turn it into my message. And I'm sharing this because we all have the capabilities of becoming better. We all do. Yeah. It's what we do with it. 
And in that, in my fifties, I have learned more about myself. I've learned more about myself bringing selling from the heart to the sales world than I did in my forties because I have multiple coaches. I have multiple mentors. I'm willing every day to take that journey into what makes me tick with self-reflection. I'm really self-aware of who I am and I challenge the hell out of myself every single day. You know, it's funny, Larry, as you've been talking through that, I can relate to it. Those are very similar to what I wish I would have done a lot earlier in my career. But even before that, even before the mentors, the coaches and being your best self and striving to be better, even when you, by outside appearances, you're doing fantastic, is I would take it down a couple of additional notches. I had an old mentor way back when that used to ask me, what's the latest book you read? What's the latest blog you read? Like, what's the last cassette on tape? You know, those are for the old school Zig Ziglar's. Sure. He challenged me to be better, like to develop yourself. It's not up to the company to provide you every resource. Invest in yourself. And I've followed that to this day. Every morning, I have a set of blogs I follow. I read about 10 pages of a book. I listen to a part of a pod. Like Those are things that are mostly free or they're very low cost that you can be doing day in and day out to improve yourself on top of what you're saying, which is taking it to the next level. I find that most people don't even do that. Like That baffles my mind. Oh, okay. Now, this it's unfortunate, Sam, but you're spot on on this. In Selling from the Heart, I write about a hardworking mindset and a no-excuse mindset. And there really isn't any excuse out there, none whatsoever. There is so much information out there to, available to salespeople that, and literally for free, yeah. hey, if you don't want to go out and buy a book, right? which you should anyway, but that's just because I'm going to come back to this in a second. Let's just say you don't want to go out and buy a book. There's blogs you can read. There's podcasts you can listen to. There's webinars, websites you can follow. There's influencers in your marketplace and in your sales channel and in whatever channel that you sell into that you can follow. There's absolutely no excuse why you can't become better every single day. I want to come back to reading for a Mm -hmm. moment. And I only know this because the person was on, so we, we interviewed one of the top 50 leadership experts that are out there on the Selling from the Heart podcast recently. And this person at 26 years old found himself as the CEO of the Rockefeller Foundation, okay? Had great mentorship along the way. His first mentor inside the organization got him hooked on reading books. And this person reads on average 150 books a year now, okay? And this mentor at the Rockefeller Foundation early on in his career would walk by his desk literally on a Monday. This is is a true story. Would walk by his desk on a Monday, drop a book on the corner of his desk. And he said, by Friday, I want you to give me a book report on it. Give me three things out of that book that you're going to implement to help you become better. Sam, serious, dead serious. That's how he got hooked on reading books. He drops up on the podcast and he said, what do you think the number is? How many books does the average person read after they have graduated college? What do you think the answer is? On an ant, in a given month, right? Or a given year, how many books do you think the average person reads after they graduate college? In my mind, it's got to be astronomically low. Like, one book, maybe. It, it's, it's about that, if, right? Yeah. 
And we started making a funny, you know, maybe it's an <laughs> ebook, right? And maybe it's a 30 page ebook. It's sad, but there's so much, right? To me, leaders cast vision. If you look like it at executives are out there, right? Leaders cast vision. They're steering the rudders of, of their company out into the future, yeah. two, three, four years, even decades into the future. Well, I'm here to tell you sales professionals are leaders. And there's that age old saying, leaders are readers. Here, hear me out on this. And this is where there's just no excuse, right? Because we all have the time. We literally all have the time. If you read 20 pages a day, key in on this for a moment, people. If you read 20 pages a day, say the average book's 200 pages. If you read 20 pages a day, Monday through Friday, and you took the weekend off, you have read two books a month. You have read 24 books a year. You are now probably in the half percentile worldwide of readers. Imagine the wealth of knowledge you would have as a sales professional to leverage these to engage in conversation with people. Now, conversely, imagine everything that you learn. Larry, I mean, I'll take it a step further because I, I was not shocked by the number of, and I'm not a reader by nature. Like I, I'd much rather watch the movie. I'm not a reader by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But I'm also like you, I always try to be better. Like I know I have to do these things because things change too quickly. But I go into Amazon literally daily, like your book. I'll save it yeah. until I can get to it. But at the end of the year, I have a little bit of a fun that I build up. And every book in my queue, I buy it at the end of the year. So I have like 100 books that take me through the next year. And then the next year, I do the exact same thing. So I work through my queue based on Amazon. Hey, I really want to read that. I'm going to save it. I really want to read that. I save it. And then I buy them. And then I read through it. Like there's things that we talk about processes. Like that's just another process that you have to adopt to be better. And yep. take another one is the podcast that you're talking. There's so much great content, whether it's us, whether it's your great podcast, there's so much out there. Like you don't have to listen to a whole episode. Listen to 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day while you're in the car driving, in the bathroom, whatever the hell you're doing. Like this is one of the big bugaboos for me when it comes to salespeople say, hey, I want to be better. I want to be in the top 10%, but I don't have the resources at the company to help me get there. This is the big thing for me that I'd never have gotten my arms around the self-development piece that just is lacking in our industry. It's the whole concept around personal accountability. I'm a big believer, if you fail to invest, you'll never be able to collect. Simple as that, right? This is finance 101. If you never invest any money, you're never gonna be able to collect it. It's never gonna earn interest, right? If you hide all your money under a, under a mattress, you put it in a safe in your house, right? Yeah, you're keeping money, but I mean, you're not investing in anywhere. It's, it's not growing. You're never going to reap any of the benefits from it, right? So how does this tie into personal accountability? Think about how you're caring for yourself. And there's a big difference throughout selling from the heart. I talk about the difference between sales reps and sales professionals. And I'm not here, like I said, and you've heard me say it before, I'm not here to discredit the sales world, but there's a difference. There is a difference between a professional and a rep. Without a doubt. In simplest format is, Sales professionals do the things that sales reps find excuses for. You never hear a professional say, I'm not going to invest in myself. Here's what's interesting. Doctors are professionals. Lawyers, love them or hate them, are professionals. Accountants are professionals, right? The medical field, you name it, right? Psychologists, therapists, they're all professionals. They all have to invest in ongoing training. 
here's what's interesting. How many salespeople out there at least invest one to 2% or 3% of their annual earnings? I'd be shocked if it was that high, but those are the same people, literally the same people who take on the weekends and they have unaccounted for amounts of spending. Again, I'm not here. They could do whatever they want, but here's the deal. You reap what you sow. I would correlate this going back to sales authenticity is you only can develop who you are and understand who you don't want to be is by digesting just an insurmountable amount of information, whether it's your surroundings, your environment, as you've said. But if I'm reading books and listening to blogs, you quickly start to identify who do I like to listen to, who identify, who aligns with how I want to sell. And let me keep digesting more of that to develop who I want to be as a sales professional, to your point, sales rep or sales professional. Like just ramping yourself up, books and authenticity, helping you uncover who you want to be and who you should be. Like it just gives you a leg up. And I know I'm kind of beating this to death, but no, no, it's all good. I'll, I'll take it one step farther and I'll just call it your sphere of influence, right? Think about this, right? You are who you hang out with. I'm a big believer in that. Just take a look, right? If you took a, and I learned this many, many years ago, take a look at like your five closest friends, your five closest buddies. There's all similar characteristics, right? There's certain character traits you all have. There's certain value alignments. You may share some of the same philosophies, though you may not agree on everything, but there's some similarities there. Well, the same can be said in your professional life as well. And I talk about creating a board of directors and find those people that share the same values, that maybe share the same ideologies of you, who are a little bit more experienced than you, and bring those into your inner circle and bring those people into your fold. I literally, I surround myself with like-hearted and like-minded people who are more experienced in life than me that are taking me on journeys that have just blown my mind, that have put me in places that blow my mind, that have put me in proximity to people that would blow my mind. So to me, it, oftentimes people look at this and go, selling from the heart's kind of mushy-gushy. It's, it's touchy-feely stuff, if you choose to view it that way. But selling from the heart and the whole movement we're creating, especially in sales, and sales is a tough gig, Sam, you know that, is it wears on you. It wears on your heart and it wears on your mind. But what are we doing to work on our heart if it wears on our heart? You want to understand what it means to sell from the heart and lead that kind of lifestyle in sales, then you got to be willing to do the work. Yeah. You have to be willing to go places that are uncomfortable. Without a doubt. And oftentimes in sales, we'll all talk about you know, the importance of client relationships and how important those are to repeat business and referrals and be able to sell more things higher, wider, and deeper inside that company. But here's the thing. If you're not working on building the relationship with yourself, I promise you this, it may not happen right away, but there will come a point in time where you struggle to build those deep relationships with your clients. You have to be willing to build the relationship with yourself first. And I say this because I struggled with it early on and I went down that road. I've gotten help going down that road. And I hold myself, I work, that's constant battle. I work on it every single day. You know, Larry, what I love about it is that these things are, I like to call them, they're like arrows in your quill. There's not, hey, all I do is read books. All I do is listen to blogs. All I do is listen to podcasts or watch webinars. It's how these things work together. And what I mean by that, I think you would agree with this, 
is as you're digesting information, you start to understand how you want to go to market, how you want to sell and understand your authentic self, however you want to put it, is you start to assimilate those best practices in how you want to start to implement things. Prime example, read a book really around time management early on in my career. Somebody gave me a book. I read it. I'm like, you know what? I'm not great about time management. Went to one of our best sales reps at CentOS at the time. Say, hey, how do you manage time? He says, I block off the golden hours, eight to five. All I do is have appointments, eight, 10, two, and four. Nothing else is supposed to go there other than appointments. Here's my phone blocking time. Here's my in-person prospecting. Mm -hmm. I had never even thought about that before. But to this day, I block off my calendar for specific things because it was the best practice that I learned from a book, went to a mentor at the time, talked to them about, and implemented. That's how it's supposed to kind of work, right? Agree, disagree. Am I off on a tangent again? No, no, no. You're so spot on. You should see my calendars color-coded, literally color-coded. I got five to six colors in my calendar. And I can look at it in any given time. And I know exactly based on color what those activities are. So if I looked at my calendar, you would obviously, the first thing is, is I look for red. Because I know all the red that's on my calendar is business. It's selling from the heart stuff. And then I have a color in there for the podcast. I have a color in there for prospecting. I have a color in there for when I decompress. I have a color in there for when I do writing because I write every day. And I block these out. They're non-negotiable times, but they're unmovable, especially if something comes up that's business-related. I'll just move things around. It doesn't mean that I don't do it. I just move it throughout the day to accommodate. I I learned that a long time ago, but again, it goes back to this is self-accountability, personal accountability. These are the non-negotiables that you must be willing to do. And and to me, it's you got to get control of the calendar. Without a doubt. But you know, it goes back to like, that's not... Maybe, Larry, maybe you you can help me with this is as people start to try and say, how do I get better? How do I become my authentic self? How do I become more authentic in my craft, if you will, is I think people are always looking for the home run. Like I want the big thing, like blocking off my calendar. That's small details, but it's the small details that add. I think that's what we sometimes lose sight of is you got to do the blocking and tackling before you're going for the deep route for the end zone. Yeah. Dude, so, so, so true. It's everyone's looking for the quick tip. I'm, dude, spend five minutes on social media, right? Insert (laughs) any platform that you hang on on, and you're going to see tips, tricks, hackathons like crazy, right? Here's 10 (laughs) ways to prospect better. Here's three ways to, for the best email, right? They're out there. People are searching for it because they want the quick fix. They want the, give me the quickest way to however they define success without doing any of the work. Right. You got to be willing to do the work. It's the discipline, habits, and the consistency done day in and day out. And it's so interesting. If you polled most people in sales, I can flat guarantee you if they're honest, they're not going to say, hey, when I was 13 years old, I had this dream of becoming (laughs) a sales professional. Right. Right? Dude, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Vast majority of us fall into sales. It's usually through an acquaintance or a friend somewhere out there. Someone said, hey, you'd be good at sales. Y'all get where I'm going with this. But if you want to become a professional, you got to be willing to do the things that sales professionals do day in and day out. And that's plan, prospect, right? You have a process. You do it with consistency. It's non-negotiable stuff. 
But here's the caveat to this. If you can't do these little things right, you're never going to be able to do these big things right. You're just never, ever going to happen. But we're always looking for corners. We're always looking for cheats, right? You can't half-ass your way to sales success. Doesn't exist. It's amazing as we're talking through this, as we're having this kind, I don't want to say it's table stakes, but this is one of those type of things as you turn the corner and say, okay, I I do need to be better about my own self-development and my own way of finding my path to authenticity is this is really pick up a book, find two or three blogs. Like you said, find two or three influencers that you like, start to comment, start to read their content, like set aside, have a block on your calendar as we've already talked about. Early in the morning, I do it before the golden hours. That's just how I was, my mentality is. And read through them. Read 10 pages. Do 10 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be 100 pages a day. I started with five pages a day. That's, what I, that's all I could do. Yeah. But to your point, you read five pages every day. It's a book every month and a half or whatever it is for the average book. Now you're starting to talk about eight, nine books a year. Like That's a lot of content. You start to pepper in podcasts. And what I think the other level to this, Larry, is, and I think you would agree, is I try to find two or three. I'm not trying to find 30. I try to find one, two, three that I can pull from it and immediately start to implement and start to try them out and say, okay, how does this align? Where does this work in my system? How do I do this? I'm not looking for 50 different things to pick up from a podcast or a book. And I think that's another area we miss from a craft, from a profession standpoint. Totally agree. And I would just say, I mean, be even simpler than that. Find one thing. One thing. <laughs> Find one thing. Just one thing. I mean, I could tell you countless of books that I've read over the decades that, you know what I go, I probably shouldn't have picked up <laughs> right. that book. However, I could find one thing in that book yeah. that I can implement. And that's, to me, reading's not, hey, I'm going to read so I can tell everybody how many books I read and for all the rah-rahs and the pats on the back. I read to learn something. That's where, I mean, because they're conversation starters, I pick up so many ideas from other people. And here's my big challenge out in the sales world. I would challenge salespeople and sales leaders and sales managers out there. Broaden your horizons. Don't just read sales books. Read leadership books. Read purpose-driven books, right? Read relationship-driven books. If you're spiritual, read spirituality books, read self-help books, Mm -hmm. read a book on finance, read a book on conversations. If you want to become better, there's so many things out there. Yeah. You know, just kind of close the piece out is it's hard, especially because like you said, I learned more in my fifties than I ever did in my twenties and thirties and looking back, but you also have life experience in that time, right? And the only way you get life experience sooner than actually having the life experience is to digest information around you at a steady clip to at least give you that understanding of what you haven't experienced yet. So you can make an educated decision on how you want to proceed, right? Yes. Here's something interesting. As I was listening to what you're saying, I just have to throw this out there. Yeah. Again, this is me, but most of my friends throughout, I would say my mid-adult life now, a lot older than me, 10 plus years older than me. Serious. Life experiences, the stories, I can learn from their lessons and so forth. It's not that I don't want to have any friends my age. It's just that 
I love hanging out with people more senior to me, more experienced than me. And here's, if there's anything that, that I would offer people as some thought, especially in your 20s and 30s, it's okay, right? We, we associate with people our own age and things like that. But if you're looking for mentorship, if you're looking for some experiences out there, I encourage you finding out, seek out people 10, 15, 20 years older than you. Somebody who aligns to your values, right? It could be a social media person, right? It could be a thought leader. It could be an influential person in your community, right? It could be the mayor of your city, right? It could be city council people. You name it, right? I'm just throwing it out yeah. there as some ideas. Surround yourself with people more tenured, more experienced than you as part of your circle of influence. Watch what starts to happen to your confidence, to your believability, conversations with other people, the things that you learn. It's mind-blowing how, what happens. That's an amazing point, Larry. I kind of actually want to go back to what you said earlier as well, because I love what you said about how you got your first coach at the age of 40, and you walked up and you just had a conversation and you wrote a check out for it. But what really resonated with me is in today's environment, you said it on LinkedIn, like we're in sales. Like, Why can't you reach out to five or 10 people you really like following and say, hey, I know you're extremely busy, but I would love to bounce ideas off you. Can, do you have 15 minutes a month? Can, do you mind mentoring me? Oh, totally. I'll give you one secret. And I'm telling you, salespeople out there, this works so well. But you have to be sincere and you got to mean it. And I'm telling you, this works. I learned this a long time ago. This is sales specific just for a moment because I, I did this when I was in sales. Is every great sales book that I read that resonated to me that when I close the book, I go, damn, that was a home run. I did a couple things. I reached out to the person on LinkedIn, asked them to connect, stated why I wanted to connect. Hey, I just finished reading your book, insert name of title. This is what I grabbed from it. These three things. It'd be an honor to connect with you. Boom. That was it. They accepted, right? Most of the time they accepted. Then I just said, hey, thanks for accepting my connection request, right? Again, this is what I got out of the book, continued success. If you don't mind, if I ever have a question, anything, would it be okay if I reached out to you? That was it. Mm -hmm. Guess what started to happen? I got more yeses than noes. And that's how I built up this circle of influence with authors and people in the sales world that do coaching and training. I picked this up 10 years ago. Again, in my 40s. Yeah. Think about it. Here would be my challenge to everyone who's listening. Take the, if you are a reader, which I hope you are, take the last three great books you read. Look the author up on LinkedIn. Ask the person to connect. Send them a heartfelt message on the impact the book had and what you got out of that book. Click connect. Watch what happens next. Fantastic tip, man. I got, I'm going to do that. I got three already in mind. So that's a great tip. Larry, how do people get in touch with you? How do they learn more? How do they find your book, Selling from the Heart? Like, kind of give them a little bit of a, how they connect with you on LinkedIn and things of that nature. Yeah, I'm all over LinkedIn. So you can find me on, on LinkedIn. But if you want to find out the movement that I'm building at Selling from the Heart, you can just go to sellingfromtheheart.net. Um, you gain access to all kinds of free resources. You get information on the book. If you want a free copy of Selling from the Heart, all you have to do is pay shipping. You just go to sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash book. Since we all carry 
our cell phones in our pockets and we're never at arm's distance without them. Um, you can text the word HEART, H-E-A-R-T, to 21,000-21000, and you'll get immediate access to all kinds of free resources. That's fantastic. We're going to put that stuff in the show notes as well. Hey, Larry, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. Oh, dude, I had a blast. I had a blast. Total blast. It's, it's such an honor. Thanks, Sam. Thank you for listening to the Sales Samurai Podcast with your host, Sam Capra. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast and visit salessamurai.io and join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content.